This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to uh, Breaking Banks Europe at Cybus. We are here with uh, John Salter. CCO of Clear Bank, and uh, let's start with a little bit of context. Uh, you know, to, you see that we have very different uh, looks, <laughs> but uh, from the beginning of our conversation, you know, he's as cool as me. He's just wear a he's just wear a shirt. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. And you look much cooler than I do. So thank you for the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your role, and also like. Pitch us a little bit, ClearBank. What ClearBank do? So, yes, CCO. So, uh, three years at ClearBank, I look after the clients. I'm responsible for all the clients. We have over 200 clients now, all fintechs, banks, regulated entities. Uh, What do we do? Have to explain that a lot because we're not visible on the high street, Mm -hmm. but you'll know all the Another plumber, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Good way of thinking of us as a plumber. Yeah, we, uh, we, we provide the pipes that power lots of well-known brands so we are the bank behind we're an infrastructure bank so if you sit there and you look at some of the best known fintech brands uh, brands in the uk we probably power them and we provide all the banking the bank accounts the liquidity management the foreign exchange the multi-currency so we'll we, we provide service to people like true layer uh, american express um tide Chip. My fellow Francesco friend, Italian friend, two layers. True, like good old Francesco, yeah, yeah old exactly. Francesco, who owes yes. me tickets for the World Cup and is still not coming through. <laughs> so I was chasing him yesterday. Yeah, so, let's don't go there. Yeah, that's what he said. You're not going there. <laughs> so, so that's what we provide. We provide infrastructure for top brands that want really good payment processing and, and obviously we're a bank, a full UK bank. So the money's always held safe. We hold all our money at the Bank of England. We don't lend money. Uh, and we just power them and let them focus on their proposition. And quite frankly, they don't have to worry about what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, they just know it's going to run perfectly. And it does. You know, John, actually, I think it was the money 2020, uh, you know, in, in a similar in a similar context. Uh, I think that I invented the one line that, that said like uh, regulated business outsourced as a service yeah. to excellent what you guys do right yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and that was like uh, an idiot proof sort of sentence you know to explain people who are not you know in, in this day-to-day because as you said because you're invisible you're yeah. powering you know fintechs and, and and other financial institutions it's it's almost like you were born to do embedded finance uh, yeah. before embedded finance actually yes. existed right yeah that's why we were created we, we looked at our founders looked at the fintech market and realized the traditional banks don't have the technology and the flexibility to deliver the propositions that are now out there. So we built it from scratch. So we looked to the future four years ago and said in four or five years time, what do we need to have out there to power these companies? And that's what you're looking at today with ClearBank. Is there's a, we say over 200 fintechs on our platform and banks. 
um, that deliver fantastic client experiences. And that's what they do. They compete at the client experience level, not on the banking. Payments should not be the area of competition. The customer experience should be. So if they can forget about the payments, they power their, their proposition. And that's what we allow, we level that playing field out. So if I put myself, uh, you know, in the shoes and in the ears, you know, of some of our auditors, they're not all fintech experts, they're not into this industry for 15 years, and I can do it pretty easily <laughs> if, I, if I have to, they would ask me why, I mean, they would understand why a non-regulated fintech uh, would need clear bank. Yeah. But why would another bank need clear bank? Yeah, so... so so we bank in the last in the last 12 months 10 banks have been approved in the UK nine of them bank on us and the reason why is they're the new challenge in neo banks so the new banks that want to deliver very clear targeted propositions to certain use cases certain, seg certain segments of the market so there's a bank called Bank North that only banks customers in the north of England yeah and that's what so there was, there are 10 of them so far and the way they compete with the big banks is first they want to look very different and then secondly they want it to be very real time. We're in the, uh, uh, talking to someone today about the uh, attention economy where everyone's competing for our attention so they want to get someone get someone's attention and then keep them on their platform and that's what we allow them to do high quality customer experience and that's all about speed and reliability and pace you know the things we take for granted you know if you if you if you're a nurse and you want to log on at two o'clock in the morning you've come off shift you really don't want to go online and see sorry systems are down for uploading or upgrading and stuff they need to deal with it then and that's why the banks come to us because they know we don't compete and traditionally you'd have to go to one of the big four banks to get the same service well they compete with you yeah. so it doesn't it feels wrong you know and yeah. so what you get is the water, the negative waterfall effect of any upgrade the big banks do the last people who are going to get that great upgrade is their competitors which are their own clients we're completely the other way around actually uh, i think as well that uh, you know the the services of uh, uh, of a company like ClearBank uh, have been like even more compelling, uh, thanks to the fact that banks, digital banking services today become more and more niche. Right? Yes. Do you call it like attention? I, I like a, attention. What do you mention? The attention society or attention economy? Ex yeah. The attention economy. Yeah. I call it niche banking. You yeah. know, where yeah. you know the banks for the teachers, <coughs> or now there is the bank for the creators' economy. Yes. Each one with a very different like <coughs> needs, context, services, and if anyone has to build it from scratch, you know their their IT cost or or, or even like the time to get the necessary regulatory approval, for example, will be used, right? This is where you guys come Huge. in. That's where we come in. Yeah, low cost to entry, easy to integrate, execute. The, tell, you know, what do you think about uh, the niche banking? You know, the fact that uh, now we see like uh, the uh, banking services built uh, to a level of details and, and uh, like a capillarity, you know, for a restricted uh, uh, sort of set of clients that uh, you know technology would make it impossible until a few years ago now thanks to guys like you it is possible right yeah yeah it is do you, do you get a lot of requests I'm actually curious now <laughs> <laughs> good you're curious. that's the point of the conversation so 
uh, do we get we get a lot of so we, we, we think we'll probably bank most new banks in the UK and we're coming to Europe so you know the new people that want to take on the existing banks which which we, we, we've done some surveys and we think I think it's about what drives the conversation so most of the existing banks they're not really interested in making payments and balances they want to sell loans and bonds and everything you know the, all the, the inverted commas sexy stuff yeah, yeah. and as we were just chatting payments are boring yeah, yeah. well only if you want to sell all these other products right but but the other banks want to service those those markets where bank accounts and payments are central to a normal relationship so they they come to us for that rather than go to a big bank because the big bank's technology and their appetite to share it is not there's no need for them to do it they've always got a monopoly of course and of that's course. what we don't like what is the array of services that you guys that you guys sell? I mean, payment ray also seems to be like the, the yeah. like the how you say the, the pasta on the menu, you know, yeah. for an Italian restaurant. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, sorry nicely for put. the comparison. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I now work for a pasta company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we so so we so we think one of the the things that makes us good at what we do is we're very clear what we're going to do, and also not dilute that. So we don't want to be a full-service bank. That's not what we want to do. So we are, at our core and our heart, we make payments, but we do it brilliantly. So we start there. So we started with just sterling payments because we were founded in the UK. Mm -hmm. We now do, do that uh, multi-currency. We provide FX services off of the back, so it naturally organically expands from the sterling payments. Course, makes sense. Um, we are now providing, strange enough, as a fully digital cloud-based bank, we're about to launch a check service, which in the UK, checks are really important. Pretty counterintuitive. Very counterintuitive, <laughs> but we do it electronically. We do it digitized. Oh, okay. So that's what we're doing. So you can still, you're paying a check off of your mobile phone, direct through us, mm -hmm. and you get it credited and you can throw the check away. So instead of you know walking to a branch, queuing up for an hour and yeah. everything else. Yeah. So we're just naturally organically extending our product set by currency um, and in, we're out here in the Netherlands right now, we've been meeting with a regulator, we go live in the Netherlands probably May or June next year and then we'll provide both parties, if you like, our European company and our UK company with a, a cross-border service but it feels domestic. So you'll sit in the UK but you'll be able to transact real-time and we only do real-time to a beneficiary in France. Um, and that's that's how we see that natural organic growth. But we're not going to come away from our core principles. We're not going to start lending money. We're going to make payments and we keep all our money, all our clients' money, 100% at the Bank of England. We don't, we don't leave, it doesn't go anywhere else. So we consider ourselves the safest bank in the world <laughs> because we don't lend money, we can't go bust. And if we did, whatever that looked like, you're guaranteed to get your money back because the people we help, it's not really their money, it's their clients' money. So we think that safety thing is really important and it's where we're, we're very different. We, we don't lose money because we don't lend it. We just keep it at the central bank in the UK and we'll keep it at the ECB here and when we're in the US next year, we'll put it at the Fed. So people have absolute confidence that their money is safe 100% of the time. And we think that's really important when you're handing other people's money. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And if you take like off your hat for a second, yeah. you know, of, of Clear Bank, yeah. and you know, you have uh, like uh, uh, under your jurisdiction, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, <laughs> a, a bunch of like uh, digital players, you know, yeah. that, that you powered. Okay. 
And I'm actually genuinely curious because I see, you know, in the past 15 years since I deal with fintech, you know, a bunch of them, you know, rise and fall, getting bigger, getting super. And uh, there is not yet a consolidation wave, you know, yes. in the digital banking. Yeah. We just see that some of them, they fuck up basically, and it's fine, you know, it's like the law of the jungle, it's yeah, fine, it but exactly. But uh, do you see the same uh, or a sort of a consolidation uh, um, uh, wave, yeah. to, repeat, to repeat the word, that is that will soon happen? Like the, the yeah. best funded uh, will eat the others just to acquire clients or maybe like, uh, it, like instead yeah. of organic, uh, yeah. organic growth, like uh, by yeah, yeah, acquisition yeah. growth, how do you see that? So I think we're at, um, we're in a really interesting period for the next 18 months. We've seen um, venture capital liquidity dry up oh. everywhere. I mean, you know, we've seen some, if I stick with banks simply for that, I can, I know of two new banks that have shut down because they ran out of liquidity, they ran out of funding. Mm. Talking to other clients that, that rely on VC funding, they're finding it tough. I think it's inevitable that you're going to see consolidation or people simply exit the arena. I was literally just having this conversation. I, I think I think there's probably a big surprise on the horizon. Someone of size will go. Yeah. I, I, I don't, couldn't speculate. We could all speculate. Of course, but, of course. But I think we're in that kind of environment where there's, it's too tough. It's really tough out there. Yeah. And I think the, the strong will survive. And there will either be consolidation or exits, and I think there will be some high-profile ones. We we were, we were here at Money 2020 in June talking to a, we had like an informal breakfast, of course, and that was the common theme coming from our clients: is somewhere on a, on this display board won't be here next year, and and we're pretty sure that's going to happen, which is law of the jungle. Of course, of yeah. course, but yeah, definitely. I actually I actually think the same simply because uh, it is not sustainable. You yeah. know, it, it, if we are, you know. No, we we had a, a conversation this morning uh, talking about like you know uh, news you know news of of the you know we we have this format called news from a fintech front yeah. and it's funny because no one is talking about financial crisis but everyone is acting as if yeah it was inevitable right yeah. but nobody is like a, just yet open about it yes and the consequences of it are or 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 the reasons for it is that indeed. There is a shortage. There is a shortage of, of, of cash. Yeah, and you know most of these uh, fintechs are actually relying right on this on this capital. So, mm. and and I think that you guys are actually well positioned because you see the flows, right? You see, yeah, you see, do. you see the pipes. Right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> exactly. We do. And and I think, and I think some of the early, I don't want to say red flags, but signposting. Because you know the regulators are not daft, right? They're, they're quite smart people. They have a way of working, but they are quite smart. And certainly in the UK, and I believe in Europe, from what I heard as well, twelve months ago, um, the regulator in the UK, and I know the Europeans, wrote to um, all the fintechs and said, "You need to make it very clear where your client's money is." So if you get into the, like, the embedded finance, extended value chain, where is the client's money? Because if one of the firms go bust, people need to understand the risk they're running and where is my recourse? Who is it to? How do I get my money back and everything else? And so 
all of the clients in the UK had to explain where the money, each individual client's money was and Riv explained to them why it's safe and everything else. And what you're saying is that for you it was easy to explain? It was dead easy, which is for <laughs> Bank of England. It was really easy, it generally was. But it was a genuine signposting. They could obviously see what the pressure building yeah. and now you're starting to see why. I mean, there was a couple of high profile collapses in Europe, as you all know, right? Well, so um, that really brought it to life and I think it's really important that, that we reassure consumers and small companies your money's safe, irrespective of who you are, because but the, that gets more difficult in complex supply chains. You know, exactly who do I call when my money's missing, you know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, that, and that's why I think the regulators are getting quite intrusive, and I think they will get more intrusive, not less intrusive, because the market's under stress. And so I think it's going to be, I think everyone's going to get more letters from the regulator, not less. And no one likes getting letters from the regulator, right? Totally. Uh, not even a Christmas card. So <laughs> indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I think that's the other big thing you're going to see. A lot more scrutiny and a lot more questions and a lot more intrusive stuff from the regulators in the next 18 months. I, I actually like a lot this uh, silent force, you know, that you guys are providing uh, to the to the to industry. And you know, I call it. I I, can't, I worked 13 years for uh, a self-defined uh, plumber of financial services like Swift, right? Yeah. right? And uh, and there are a lot the, the, there are a lot of ways to uh, you know. Do. Actually, I do have one last question. You know. The, the motto for Swiss for many years was like a failure is not an option, right? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, without like uh, commenting too much on this, but uh, this is like the one uh, common denominator for the plumbers, right? Yeah. That you only hear about them when things goes wrong. Exactly. Correct. Goes, goes wrong. Is that the same for you guys? Yeah. And if that was the same, how do you reconcile this with innovation? You know, with with the with the, the experimenting, you know, side of things, yeah. which is always Great needed, question. right? To stay yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're hundred percent right. We, we we can't provide infrastructure, um, and then keep letting people down. Because the, the effect is, if we're down for 20 minutes or half an hour, it's 200 people that are down. It's not our own business yeah. that's down. Yeah. So, um, so we, we, we pride ourselves on, and we've got some really smart people, much smarter than me, trust me, as CTO and our tech guys, and, and you know, they've built in redundancies and everything else. We have to make sure it works. Um, so so we, we made sure that we stay up. It's the, it's the short answer without going into the detail. But, but you're absolutely right. In how the hell do you innovate against that? Because you, the moment you launch a new service or a new product, it's, I don't care how much testing you do, you're at risk. Of course. Um, candidly, it's a calculated risk. Yes. <laughs> I think of it's, course. You, of there's course. No, you get no you know, it's risk and return. You have to try it. So we do what you'd expect us to do. You know, we test things to death. We have, you know, we have a brilliant uh, sandbox, which is a hundred percent replica of the live environment, and then we work with with friends and family clients, and we scale slowly. So we don't deploy a new product until we're as confident as we can be, um, and. and Touch wood, so far it's gone yeah. okay. We, look, things don't always work for us. But it's a mindset more it, than a tactical right? It's just, you just got to, yeah, it is a mindset. You, you have to take a risk, you just minimize it. And what we, the other phrase you hear in FinTech all the time is fail fast, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. If it doesn't work, we'll stop it. Yeah. You know, we launched a multi currency product two months ago, and candidly, it didn't do what we thought it was meant to do. Okay. So we ripped it back out apologized to kind of our first wave of clients fixed it put it back into into 
uh, deployment and now it works as described. But we didn't see it coming. There's, you can test everything, but it's always the one you don't see. My experience is customers never, you test everything, but customers always use the product the wrong way. You know, they, they always find a way to use yeah, it yeah, you yeah. didn't see coming. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's what happens. But I think uh, we're very fortunate with the relationships we've got with our clients. They, they understand we're trying, but if we fail, we fail fast and we, we try and fix it. But yeah, there's no risk in this. No risk. Uh, you, there's no such thing as zero risk, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> John, thank you for like uh, this, uh, you know, honest answer, the last one, right? Because it is true that uh, there is always a dichotomy, you know, between the fact that you want your business to stay intact, but at the same time, you are obliged to your customer to innovate, yeah. and, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's not really a struggle, but it's a challenge, you know, especially yeah. for a company that has a lot of responsibility as you guys, as you guys have. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, you know, I must admit that I didn't know ClearBank that well until yeah. now. And it's okay because, you know, sometimes I get to be just the guy who asks the questions. <laughs> but after this conversation, you know, I, I think that uh, this uh, business, uh, it is, uh, first of all, uh, as silent uh, as fundamental for the, for the industry, yeah. you know. And uh, most importantly, great potential because, uh, you know, the, the, if you focus on delivering your service, you need someone who gets your back, yeah. you know? And uh, clearly, you guys seem to get the back, so all these fintechs that are providing services. Yeah, we, we, we like to think so. We bank one in four EMIs in the UK, so we're very quiet. And then we bank some of the really interesting, so we bank, it's not just the technology, we have an understanding of our clients, so let's take a provocative inverted commas area. People who work in the crypto space, you know, the biggest, the Coinbase, yeah. the Geminis and everything. Well, we're house banked to all of them in the UK because we understand how, what they're trying to do and how they operate and how they control the risks in their business. And we work together with them from a risk point of view. So nothing to do with the technology. We work in partnership with them to solve their particular challenges. And now all the fiat, fiat that goes in and out of the exchanges, most of them go through us because we, we've understood not just the the easy bit, the plumbing, how they operate, how they control risk and what they're trying to achieve. And again, they were like us, they were struggling to get that support from the big banks. So we've stepped in and, and, and it's gone really well. And that's that, what we try and do with everybody. Th that per se is already pretty innovative, a pretty innovative approach yeah. in terms of businesses, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Back to that risk thing. There's no problem taking risk if you know what risk you're taking and make sure you know where the risk you're taking, you know? Absolutely. And that's what we, we pride ourselves on. And, and it's gone unbelievably well. John, thank you very much for being with us. It was, the, it was the first, I hope it won't be the last time. I hope so. Welcome to Breaking Bank Zero once more. And uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's a wrap. Do you want to be part of Breaking Banks Europe? Reach out and learn more about the opportunity to be featured in one of our shows. With over 1.6 million listeners and counting, Breaking Banks Europe is bound to become the place to advance critical dialogue in Europe and the UK fintech scene. Reach out on Instagram or Twitter at BreakingBanksEU or go to www.provoke.fm. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe, live at Cybos. I'm here with Silvia Mensdorf-Puyi, 
and is uh, you know you guys can't see it right but uh, we have been chit chatting before i thought she was french and then i discovered that she speaks spanish and a bit of italian as well so we prepared this chat in uh, in uh, in in spanish <laughs> multilingual but, exactly but long story short silvia Welcome to Breaking Banks. Thank you very much, Matteo, for having me. So, as you said, I'm Sylvia Mansdorf-Pui. I run the banking and payments team for Europe for FIS. FIS, obviously, one of the largest fintechs globally, right? Between our merchant acquiring business, what we do in capital markets and banking and payments, we cover almost every aspect of the financial value change. But my heart is in payments. The funny thing is, though, most people don't know I'm actually an organic chemist and so we're at breaking banks but i always say if i don't make it in payments i can always go breaking bad <laughs> that's so compelling for this conversation <laughs> so my my first question is and of course you know fis has been you know in in my like uh, uh, courtyard for a long time you know like 20 years you know the, you were there before i started working uh, you know at before Swift, uh, we all started exactly. working <laughs> <laughs> exactly so as you said you not only cover every aspect of the financial value chains but also you have uh, not only financial services clients you really cover clients globally from Absolutely. hospitality to so how do you manage you know all these different sectors how you guys are organized and and how much expertise you know you need to yeah. you need to have to cover all these businesses yeah so i think it's about understanding how everything hangs together but and and so being able to give both a broad and orchestrated view of the space as well as having deep knowledge into different verticals and into different specific pieces of uh, the financial services that that we provide so it's really that combination tell me uh, so as many of the very large players uh, you know fintech arrived a, a bit over a decade ago and all of a sudden a bunch of uh, smaller company startups mm -hmm. uh, new technologies uh, you know yeah. started you know playing to the space how do you guys collaborate uh, with yeah. uh, with the ecosystem? Yeah. You know, talk to us a little so, bit about it. I think specifically about pay payments, it's really a lot about the value chain and a lot about partnerships, and it's always been like that. And when I think about what is defined as fintech, more of the startup type, mm -hmm. then uh, we partner with some fintechs where they provide ad value-added services and we provide the deeper layer of the processing. But we also provide actual services to some of the fintechs. So, you know, great example that I would quote would be, uh, for example, GoHenry. So GoHenry, great card. And we've been with GoHenry since they got started. We issued, helped them issue their first card. And they're a fantastic fintech that provides great financial education for parents. And, and it's, you know, very proud to have been part of their growth cycle. So when we provide both services and partnership to the fintech. So we think of ourselves as a fintech of fintechs. Oh, that's, that's a super interesting definition. How do you guys, you know, reorganize yourself, you know, to serve this set of clients that in the past decade sort of flooded the market, right? But mm. before they were not your usual you know, the type of counterpart, right? Yeah, well, so, so I think we've always partnered quite a bit, 
And so there are different ways that we, we can organize ourselves for that. So we, we also have um, a fund where we uh, provide um, funding to some of the fintechs and we, we do some of the, the investments into them. And then it's really looking at our, our book of our customer base that we have and bringing that together. Bringing back to what we see is happening in the industry and kind of the new customer journeys. What I've always found interesting, you know, if I think of myself as FIS, at FIS, I've come relatively new into FIS. And you look at FIS and it's such a large company. One of the things that I find fantastic is the capacity of internal innovation that FIS is a large corporate has. So there's a lot of drive and enthusiasm and support for innovating within FIS and for combining different things. And so you see these new customer journeys coming out. We're, we're bringing great things to markets around, uh, for example, virtual cards, virtual cards for financial inclusion, virtual cards for travel, virtual cards in the corporate space for B2B payments and all of these things. So for me, it's really exciting being able to work at a company where we're providing services directly to consumers, services directly to merchants, services directly to custom, uh, to corporates, to fintechs, and to financial institutions, and having a conversation with all of them, and bringing them to, together around something that, from a human perspective, if you think about it, how critical is payments? Because at the end of the day, Payments it's is a the last means. mile of everything. It's the last mile of everything. It's the last mile of exchanging value with each other and exchanging value with each other in a way that is a win-win for both sides. Yeah. yeah. And so from my perspective, when I think of myself as part of the payment ecosystem, I always think whether it's payments, whether it's trade, there's less violence, there's less war. Absolutely. So I think we provide a great service uh, to uh, to, to the world as a payment ecosystem. Um, yeah, I, I could not agree more. And you know, the the auditors know that I'm passionate about Africa, that I work a lot in this in this ecosystem. And uh, something that uh, people often don't know, and is the way I usually open my keynotes, I, I put a pair of flip-flops in the first chart, and I said that for 400 million people in Africa, these flip-flops are the way of payments, because they, they walk. Mm -hmm to bring cash oh, from ridiculous. point A to yeah. point B. Yeah. And uh, the, the more we digitize the financial interaction yeah. amongst yeah. people, indeed, the safety, safety grows, uh, traceability Absolutely. grows, Absolutely. Uh, the possibility of lending capital grows. So it is fundamental yeah. for, like, uh, the, the, for the GDP growth. I mean, even if you just uh, you know, take out 20% of the cash, you technically increases twenty percent the happiness of the yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. You make you make you make people's lives so much more efficient and safe that it's really critical. So we had a great speech by our Queen, Queen Maxima of the yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. She opened Cybos yeah. and she talked about financial inclusion and about the responsibility that we as an industry have to really bring payments to everybody, digital payments to everybody that make their lives a lot safer. So it's, uh, it's really interesting and interesting to see. It's also great to see a woman on stage presenting about the ecosystem and bringing back to FIS. So our, our president, Stephanie Farris, is really driven to bring together our solutions to deliver new uh, solutions to, uh, to the market. Uh, so. So you, you mentioned innovation and uh, maybe the last question about uh, 
you know, innovation is one of my favorite themes, not just because of the whole, you know, tribe story, but also because of the theme that, you know, there is uh, incremental innovation and what they call disruptive innovation. Mm -hmm. And incremental innovation goes at the speed of uh, whatever you can cope to improve and do a little bit better what you do already. Mm -hmm. But disruptive innovation requires courage, speed, different type of talents, uh, you know, thinking out of the box. And is a different kind of, uh, of speed and of exercise of innovation mm -hmm. altogether, you know. I, if you want to take out your FIS hat, mm -hmm. but I really want to pick your brain and, you know, on what you think about these two different speeds of innovation. Okay. So I think it's, it, when, when you think about innovation, it's also thinking about the speed that certain systems move, move in, right? So I always describe it as a heartbeat of change. So when I think about, you know, heartbeat of change in co-banking, it's actually relatively slow because it's so difficult to make changes to a core banking system. Then you think about the heartbeat of payments, yeah? But then you think about the heartbeat of, for example, fraud detection, which is like this, yeah. because the pressure on the system is so large. So I always think that you need to um, align the drive to innovation to those heartbeats because you're otherwise too far ahead of the market. The other thing that I would say is really identifying key themes that go across, right? So at the moment, we're seeing key themes across a lot of different sectors around lending. How can you bring that together, right? A lot of different sectors around crypto and everything that entails. Or right? creators' economy, you know, the new type of work. Absolutely. The creators' economy, uh, you know, and then digital assets around that. But what I would also say is that when new things arise, there's a lot of drive where people are saying, oh, it's going to be cheaper, it's going to be more efficient. And I always think you have to take a step back. So when you think about um, uh, the digital currencies and also digital assets, you know, everybody's kind of going, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper. Same thing was always said about instant payments compared to, for example, card payments. But then people are also only thinking of the happy flow. One of the reasons there is cost involved in, for example, card payments is that there is a huge rule book that details what happens when things go wrong. So when something goes wrong, it's really easy to identify who has the liability, who has to pay, and there's a whole network for making the flow go, go back, right? There's cost involved in that. When new schemes come to the market, they often don't hold that kind of unhappy flow yeah. and and over time the burden both regulatory and managing the unhappy flow increases which increases the cost but i think i guess that is what makes the space so exciting because there's always something new to learn i almost want to say that this is a perfect segue to say that payments are actually cool again you know and and, and it's always great to see um, people like sylvia passionate about the space that frankly I, I discovered it through breaking payments, and I found it super interesting as well. Celia, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, and thank you, Matteo, for having me. And have a great Cybos ahead. And thank it's you. a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. 
See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.